Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. Anyways, I'm glad you're all here today. I'd like you to turn to Mark 10 if you have your Bible with you. If you don't, there are Bibles in the back and the back table for you. I'd like to have people in the Bible. Um, I, one of my ministries is giving Bibles away. I like to, I like to see a Bible in everybody's hand. Uh, it's just, some, just one of those things that's important to me because it's the Word of God. And who would not want the words of God in your hand uh, where you can access it at any time and any place? I encourage people to keep at least a small Bible with them wherever they go. Uh, in their pocketbook, or in their suitcase, or in the back seat of the car, or under the seat of the car, wherever they should have a Bible, everywhere they go, they should know the Bible, uh, because then they can take people to passages that they need to know and learn to help them through times of struggles. Uh, the Bible is so very, very important to everybody. Everybody can use the Bible. It's not something that it's just for older people or more people with more wisdom. A little kid can read and learn from the Bible. And that's what we're talking about today, about suffer the little children in Mark 10, Mark 10, verse 13 through 16. Uh, because it was such short verses today, I didn't uh, have the guys read it, but I, I thought I would read it myself. And it says this, and they brought him, uh, they, and they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. And when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. Now, there's not many parts in the Bible where you'll see Jesus was displeased, all right? When they defiled the temple, yes, he was displeased. When they tried to bring back the law and washing hands, traditional washing hands, he was mad. He was angry or about the Sabbath. It just displeased him. And this is one of those things. And he said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in the arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. I was asked yesterday, as I finished the funeral and I was sitting at the dinner, someone privately said to me, do you baptize babies at your church? And I said, no, we don't. We dedicate them, right? A baptism comes after a decision, right, to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. And that was the end of the conversation, to be honest with you. But I'm glad it was brought up. It just opens the door for later for me to talk to this person. But that word translated as suffer in the Greek, ephemi, says, ephemi has a sense, or could be ephemi, uh, has a sense of to allow or to permit, so Jesus directed his disciples to allow or to permit, permit the little children to come to him. Don't stop them from coming. Now, I'm not sure uh, when they were bringing to him, they thought maybe uh, that uh, like uh, they're somehow just by touching them, they would be blessed, which, you know, we, we do this today. We priests go out there and bless motorcycles and they bless boats and they bless ch children, all that stuff. I, I don't know if that's what they were looking for or what was happening there, but they wanted Jesus to touch them. And you should want Jesus to touch your children. All of you should want Jesus to touch every one of your children. So here is where we find the reason America is suffering right now, both morally and spiritually. 
because we've stopped our children from coming to Jesus. Now, I got very quiet in here, but it should, because this is what's happening across America. Uh, not for our world, in our circles, no, we're bringing them to Jesus. But for the most part, we're in trouble right now because we're not bringing, we're suffering little children to come unto Jesus. We're not allowing them to come. It's our biggest mistake we've ever made, I believe with all my heart. America has made, it's made, America has made this mistake and is keeping children from coming to Jesus. And now as a result, our nation is suffering and our children are also suffering. Um, think about these things that I'm about to say. These are happening right now. We would rather take them to a pride parade than preach to them Jesus. We would rather let them decide their own gender than to confront their confusion with the words of Jesus. We would rather we allow them to attend rapper concerts or library drag queen readings than attend church and learn about Jesus. We would rather encourage them to play sports and attend birthday parties on Sunday than to play sword drills in the church that reveal them, that reveals Jesus to them. So it's one of my pet peeves that somebody will miss church for things like that that's going to matter little to them later in life. But they do that. I did it too. Um, they would rather encourage them to use contraceptives rather than discourage them from sexual relations before marriage as Jesus intended for children. So it is no coincidence that the good old King James Bible used that word suffer. Um, it's not used in the other translations, but it is in the King James. Why? Because America is suffering right now morally and spiritually. And it's suffering the results of not promoting and not prioritizing bringing children to Jesus. Uh, we lost, I think we've all but lost Generation Z, right? I guess that is to Satan. And I think we can safely assume that the children brought to Jesus here in this passage were what we would call preschoolers. In other words, starting young. So Jesus said in Matthew 18:3, And verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, right? Ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. The thought here is how trusting little children are but also how vulnerable they are. Children are very vulnerable. Their minds can pick up things that shouldn't pick up and stay with them the rest of their life. That's one of the reasons I, I do not like this uh, idea that they promote, churches promote baby baptizing. Right? Here's what it does. Here's what baby baptizing does. Um, they use this passage here, by the way, for that to promote it to support their distorted view of what baptism means. They think if they bring them to God by baptizing them as a baby and as a result of this corrupted theology, they'll successfully right, be, they'll be saved. But what it's doing is it is successfully diverting children's minds away from Jesus and into thinking they are okay with God without him. People will get to a certain age and they'll say, was I baptized? Yes, you were, son or daughter. And right away that gives the... Uh, analogy or the thought that oh then I'm good with God then I'm okay I'm good with God when they're not good with God in verses 15 and 16 Jesus said verily I say unto you whosoever shall receive the kingdom of God as a little child he shall not enter in you see that baby baptism is fallacious is fallacious logic it is is leading our children to hell and the simple truth is Jesus was illustrating the simple childlike faith needed to know God that a person has to do or have 
cognitively has to make that decision uh, to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. So the point Jesus was making is that only by faith could one receive the kingdom. That's all. Just by faith. And they need to have that reasoning in their mind. So to illustrate this point, he took several small children. He took them up in his arms and, and put his hands on them, and he blessed them. And what Jesus was doing, he's simply showing us how simple childlike faith can be, right? If we just come to him and, uh, he'll, and give our life to him, he'll hold us up and change us in a way that will benefit us and benefit him for the rest of our lives. Um, Adolf Hitler said this. I, I was reading some Adolf Hitler quotes because I wanted to see, because he was the, in the, under the von Kamp, he's, you know, he's talking about how get children when they're young. And, well, this is one thing he said, and I'll listen to it. He said this. If the older generation cannot get accustomed to us, I can almost hear our President Biden saying that right now. If this generation or these conservatives can't get accustomed to us, we shall take their children away from them and rear them as needful to the fatherland. Have you been listening to what they've been saying about parents and about how the government should have more control in the child's life? And uh, President Biden, I heard it from his own lips, say that. So that's happening right now in America. And Pat and I have been blessed to watch hundreds of children grow up in several different churches throughout ministry. And we've adopted many of them as our own, right, in our own hearts. Uh, and it, it, it's one of the greatest blessings of ministry, actually. You don't understand how that blesses a, a pastor when he sees young children, lots of them sitting in the front two rows, right? It just blesses them because he knows that's the next generation. It always blesses our hearts when we see children in church learning the Bible, that's the most important part. I mean, I like to see them have fun and all that stuff, but they got to learn the Bible. I love seeing them singing and blessing their Lord, especially with so many other things in the world competing for their souls right now and distracting their attention away from church and away from Jesus Christ. So with so many parents not encouraging their children to go to church, it's not, it's, it's not getting any easier to get children in church. Uh, there are so many children in this generation have, have no idea who Jesus is or what he came to do and that he came to do it for him, them personally. So this is the reason for our nation's moral decline right now. It's, a nation, it's our nation's spiritual decline. We've neglected our children. We have failed at this very verse that Jesus said, suffer the little children, suffer the little children to come unto me. It's, it's the greatest deficit, uh, deficit that's facing our nation right now. It's not the... It's not the budget, and it's not the inflation, and it's not all of these border issues and all that. It's just suffering the little children to come unto Jesus. They don't know him. They don't know the God of, their Bible, of the Bible. The primary reason for this is we have kept them from coming. And, and Jesus did not mix words here. And, I mean, he's clear here for those who don't feel it necessary to bring their children to church. Listen to, listen to the severity of this warning in Mark 9, 42. And who, whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me. Oh, I pity the parent that mocks a child when he brings up God. It is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. These are, this is, these are words Jesus is using. Just keeping them busy or giving them things to do or giving them activities, right, does not cut it with Jesus. 
that will in no way prepare them for the life that they're about to face. If you love them, they have to be taught right and wrong. They have to be led to Jesus. And knowing the Word of God is not only to survive in a, in a sin-cursed world, but also to thrive in a sin-cursed world for Jesus' sake. Amen? You should yell amen right there. Turn over to 127. This we're going to take this message for until the ending, right? In Psalm 127. I'm going to show you some things about David's analogy here that is so important that years ago I wrote this down concerning my own family. Uh, I remember reading and say, this, is, this has got to happen in our household, God. I don't know how well I've done. I think I've done okay. i got four kids that love the Lord. i got uh, uh, grandkids, uh, all but three, that are saved. Um, he says this, Except the Lord build the house, they that labor in vain, that build it. Except our, the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. In other words, you don't need to worry. If you're bringing them up under God, bringing them to Jesus, teaching them the right things, you can sleep good. I've heard Christian fathers say that. I can sleep well at night because I know my kids are being taught well. I know they love the Lord, and, and I, can, I can just sleep better, right? Uh, it doesn't have, not complaining and all that stuff. So little children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of the mighty, so are children of the youth. Uh, happy is a man that hath his quiver full of them, and a lot of happy men in our church, by the way. And they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. I want to expound upon what he is saying here, if you don't mind, um, this psalm has been called the builder psalm. And, and, and David looks forward to the construction of the temple. He writes down his thoughts. And by God's grace, God allows us to see those thoughts. And I, I have to say here, always remember and never forget, God himself wrote everything that is in the Bible. And he wrote everything in the Bible to lead us to Jesus. I hope you all understand that. Jesus said that himself. It's all written about him. It was all to bring us to him. So these were the divine thoughts of God for us to see long before Jesus came into the world. And we were to meditate on those things. And to, you know, meditate means chew on them. So when it comes to Jesus, they are just as important as the red words that are in the New Testament. Because Jesus wrote the whole Bible. Really, every word in the Bible could be read. Technically. So David was obviously thinking of the future temple, and that's what got my attention years ago, right? He was looking forward to the temple as a place for his son Solomon and his future family, right, to worship in. That's admirable right there. So the parable between the temple and the children in this psalm is found in the word building. Now, building is uh, raising the temple, right? putting block upon block and raising the temple. Its correlation is with building or raising children. Right? Principle upon principle, statue upon statue. Right? Raising them up under the things of, of, of God. So he must have been overwhelmed with the thought that, listen, and I am too right now, to be honest with you. Um, I, I'm just overwhelmed with this thought that he could lose his children and grandchildren to a pagan society. 
He had to have been thinking about that. He watched generations go, and one generation go the wrong way. As many of us do today, you know, we see things that happen very quickly. So he must have been terrified that his children and grandchildren would not have an established, physical, tangible place where they could come to worship God in. That's what your church is, everybody. That's what Lighthouse is. It's a physical, tangible place uh, that people can, can come to, right? And they can find God. They can worship God there. They can praise Him, give to Him. Uh, they can love Him there and as a family. So how unbelievable, unbelievably blessed he must have been knowing that he was the chosen one by God to lay out the blueprints for the future temple. Now, we all know he wasn't allowed to build it, but his son was allowed to build it, and that would be good enough for me uh, even to this day. If my son just uh, goes way beyond my ability, whatever I've done in my lifetime, I'll feel that I've accomplished something. So his enthusiastic response was revealed in verse 3 when he said, Lol. You know what that low means? That means look here, learn, and listen, everyone. Children are a heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb of his reward. Now, I don't need, I've already preached on this before, but they're God's children first before they're your children. They're his reward. So in verse 1 and 2, David, he acknowledges that the temple he wanted to build would be the work of God. And this is where the building of our homes and the blessings of the church come together. This is where they meet, right? This is what makes the psalm so precious and so pertinent when it comes to children, Jesus Christ, and the church. The church is very vital. In other words, working with God and not against God is very, very important to God especially in this area. Now listen to me, in the church or the house of God and children, the heritage of God. Does it all make sense? You see how that comes together? I believe David was uh, uh, comparing the serious work of raising a temple for, for God with the serious work of raising children for God. He, he implied that any attempts to do so without including God is an exercise in futility and he says, can be a catastrophic failure for your life or for the child's life. So in other words, the integrity of the building or the strength of the building to stand through the elements of time, right, is building it with and for God. David had described it like a watchman at night, just looking out over the city, right? In other words, looking for that, just making sure, in diligence, making sure no enemy comes in and attacks these children. I uh, think of the Iron Dome in Israel. You know, the jets can respond over there within seconds. They come out of the side of a mountain because of an Iron Dome, they call it, over the best surveillance system there is in the world. So that's why you, when you see something happen in Israel, it's, it's, it's dealt with immediately. It's not like we wait for the balloon to go across the sky of America and say, I wonder if we should shoot that down. No, that balloon just barely touches the border of Israel. It's shot down. It reminds me also of Proverbs 21, or 31, 27. A mother in late hours of night, now think about this, moms, in late hours of the night looks well to the ways of her household. 
You know what moms do? They lay there in bed and think about their children. That's what they do. You know, I don't find too many mothers that are just deep sleepers. Uh, my wife has never been a deep sleeper. That's the God's honest truth. I could walk in. She might be sleeping over there right now, and I could walk into the room, say, how you doing? She could be snoring and say, I'm okay. Just like that, right in the middle of a deep sleep. That's just the way moms are. Jesus looks well to the ways of his children and the ways of his church because they are both his. Amen? They're both his. Neither is to be left unattended concerning God. So without God involved in the building process for the work, for the work that we're doing for him, uh, we'll, do, we'll be doing it in vain, as implied in verse 2. It is a vain thing to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. In other words, God's saying, you can trust me on this. If you give me your children, you can trust me on this. The greater point here is that any work on behalf of God without the, his help and his strength will produce minimal results at best, and there will be no rest in doing so. Um, parents today spend a lot of sleepless nights because of, child, uh, because of children that have gone astray. And it's, it's heartbreaking. I know I've been through it. Um, and most every parent does. And when I think of the many beautiful children in this church, it's easy to forget this one truth. They grow up to be adults. You were once a child. Children are adults in training. That's what they are. And this is why the training years with Jesus is so vitally important. Now, with all that said, okay, uh, David was making a strong assertion and a very strong correlation between the importance of the temple of God Right and the children of God. So here are three correlating principles that I pulled out of this, uh, this uh, scripture verses in regards to raising your children that I think are very important. The first one is the temple was going to be David's future legacy. Right. So children are God's and yours uh, future legacy. Look at verse 3. Lo, children are an, inher an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward, right? Long before, and I've taught you this before, long before we conceive them in the womb, they were already conceived in the mind of God. They were already there. Before the foundations of the world, you were thought about before you were made. It does not matter what public opinion is concerning when a baby is considered alive in the womb. It does not matter. It doesn't even matter to me. That baby was put there by God. So who cares when the heartbeat starts or when they begin to feel pain, right? That baby was put there by God. If he decides to take that baby, that he makes that decision. If he decides to leave that baby, even so, we praise you. Even though he slay me, I'll trust him, Job said. That's the most important part, truth that we can learn in the Bible. We have no one else to trust but him. So it does not matter what public opinion says. The truth is that child was conceived in the mind of God long before it was conceived in the womb, and they are his legacy. They're his heritage. Therefore, our children are our future legacy. That's what they are. We must never forget children are eternal souls created by God for God, and God made them by himself, for himself, to be with himself for all of eternity. So why would we keep them from coming to Jesus? The only way to get with him for all eternity. So suffer the little children to come unto me. In other words, when you bring them to Jesus, you're bringing them right to God. That's who you're bringing them to. So why you don't bring them to Jesus, right, is, is amazing. Why we don't do that. 
Because if you don't bring them to Jesus, what you're doing is you're bringing them away from God. So one of the biggest, I call the biggest travesties and tragedies of life is children kept back from Jesus by unbelieving, spiritually neglectful parents. I, I believe it's the greatest form of child abuse there is. And I pity the parents who run, ruin their own children or ruin their own legacy by not making any effort to bring them to Jesus Christ. And there's tons of children out there, tons of them that have no idea who Jesus is right now. Brings me to my second point. The temple would be David's future testimony. Like I told you before, right, he wasn't going to be able to even see the temple built. But he drew the blueprints up for it. Children are God's and ours future testimony. Look at verse 4. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Children born into adulthood are a strength to their parents later in life. I can, I can literally testify of that, even with my daughter here, Amanda, here today. She, she fought for uh, my, my wife and I. My son did the same thing. It's just, it's just what they do when you get older if you bring them up right. So they are like the arrows of a valiant man. The greater thought here is that children can turn out to be a great testimony to their parents later in years. Uh, think for a moment what God did for us so we, would, uh, we could testify to him. You ever thought about that? You ever thought about the taste buds on your tongue? That he gave them to you so that you could enjoy food and then say, thank you, Lord, that was good. That was really good. You ever think about colors? And you look out and you see all the pretty majestic colors that are out there. And it just brings a smile to your face. My wife loves sunflowers, and every time she sees them, she smiles. And, you say, and she says this, thank you, God, that is so beautiful. Every planet was made for our eyes to see and explore. They testify of God, right? Every ocean and mountain was made for us to admire and conquer, to testify of our God. Every plant and animal right, was made for us to either care for or consume, and some of them are real tasty, by the way. And that testifies of God. And most importantly, every child was specific, specifically made by God for a divine purpose to be his family testimony. Don't you love just bragging on your God? I love it. I love just boasting on him. Right? Um, the Bible says in Genesis 1 and 2, that, and I don't know if you know this, we were created for three, really three primary reasons. We were created, first of all, to walk with God. His creation, right, to, was to be all about faith, family, and fellowship. It was not to be about self-gratification. It was never to really to be about us, but we were the recipients of all of his grace and goodness. He created us to be his family. He loves walking with us, or what we would call today fellowshipping with us. One of my favorite things is the meals that we have here, only because I can fellowship with people. I like going over with the, the group that goes over to the diner over there. What is it? Beth or Bellevue. Fellowshipping with them. I love going with people out to dinner and fellowshipping with them, learning about their lives. God is faithful by whom you are called unto the fellowship of his son. 
Jesus Christ, our Lord, 1 Corinthians 1, 9. We are created to fellowship together as his family, but also as his friends. Right? He says, James 4, 5, 4 through 5 says, You adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity against God, with God? Whosoever therefore be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Do you feel a little bit of jealousy? You know, God is a jealous God, and he's just saying, you know, you're my children. You're not the world's children. You know, I can remember my father and mother saying that often. I don't care what, you know, Tom or Dick or Harry are doing on the road. You're my kids. And I'm sure you've heard that too. So second, so we're to, we're to walk away. Second, we were created to work for God, right? We're to manage his creation. We're to have dominion over the earth and creatures. And third, and we're working to multiply his creation. And some of you have done a very good job at that. I don't want to mention any names. We did our part. Right? They say a quiver is five. Well, we had five. One's in heaven. We sent him ahead as a spy just to see what it's like up there before we get there, or her, whatever, whatever it was. We're, and then working to maintain his creation, right? We're supposed to tend to the world. I have no problem with these people that are out there saying, you know, we got to protect the environment and all that. I have no problem with that. The problem I have is that it's a mother earth to them. It's not a father God to them. We are to be responsible for what God has given us. And third, thirdly, and this is the most important, uh, we, we were created to worship God. You know, we were created to give him glory. We worship him with our praise and our prayers and our possessions. Secondly, we give back to him in worship, right? That's with our tithes and our love offerings and talents and service. And then and thirdly, we do good for him. We do this by loving others, by giving to others, by helping others, serving others, forgiving others, being patient with others, being kind to others. We do it being examples of Jesus Christ. Amen? Which brings me to my last major point, and we're through. The temple was David's future treasury. You know, it was an investment to David. And, and honestly, this church is the way I feel about here. It's, it's just an investment uh, into the kingdom of God. There's a place we can come and fellowship. We can, I can preach the gospel here. I can teach from the Bible here. People get to hear about God here. People get to get saved here. Amen. Children are God's in our future treasury. Look at verse 5. Happy is the man that hath this quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. You know, like I said, some have suggested before that five arrows, that's usually a quiver, and we had five. We, four we have alive, one in heaven. Uh, like I said, we just sent our little spy ahead. But it wasn't to see if it's feasible. And Moses didn't send them out to see if it's feasible. He knew he was heading there. And we know we're heading there. It's just we have someone that's gone ahead of us, and all of you do. So the greater truth is that children can be a parent's greatest blessing in the future. Um, godly parents who have trained their children in godly principles hardly ever end up ashamed. Hardly. There are, there are some cases that it does, but hardly ever do they. Because the godly children of godly parents will stand up for them, whether it be in a court of law or a field of battle. That's just what they do. Uh, David clearly had his children in mind, and, li and likely Solomon in particular. He was pleased with his son right, being used to bring his future treasures to fruition. 
And, and David would never see the temple built, but generations after him did. Right? And generations way after him can look back and see what it was like. Right? As, when I go over there in, in Israel right now and I stand on the Temple Mount. And it's, it's just, it's almost like you're standing on holy ground and the Muslims got this big dome of the rock there, or whatever you call that thing that they built there, where the temple stood. And I look at there and I just smile and I said, this one will be there for a little while longer. I said, and then God's temple is going to be built and Christ steps down on the Mount of Olives and he just ascends right down into that temple. So listen to me. The, the greatest truth here is ch children can be your greatest blessings. And David clearly had his children in mind. So the temple was the reward of David's personal investment. Right? And children are the rewards of your personal investment. So have you ever thought of this? God has no grandchildren. He has no grandchildren. He only has children. Children are his rewards. Because right? every person that comes to Christ comes to him as a child. It doesn't matter what generation they're in. So the Hebrew word for reward has the idea of wages. Children are God's own compensation for his work of creation. Man, if that don't touch you, make your chills go up your spine. So raising children is work. I, I know. Been there. Done that. Got the t-shirt. T-shirt got stained. Got thrown away. But according to God, they are worth the effort. They're, they are investments into God's eternal treasury. So parents who are co-workers together with God see God's compensation uh, for bringing them up. And by the way, I still believe they need to come into the world. There's a, there's a divine purpose in, in their in work. Whether they make it all the way out of the womb or whether they just make it to the womb, it doesn't matter. There's a divine purpose for every child that comes into that womb. Children are our future legacy. They're our future testimony. They're our future treasury. So I make my final application and we're through. David says this, that thou shalt be, they shall not be ashamed. Now listen to what he says at the end of this. And they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Uh, we as Christians are supposed to be in the battle. And with the enemy for souls, for the souls of men. We're supposed to be bringing them to Christ, but one day we will die and our fight will be over. Well, somebody's got to pick up the tool. It's got to pick up the weapon. And it's got to move on with our legacy and take that, right, and be and fight that enemy and go in and, and to those battlefields and win people to Jesus Christ. And if we've raised them right... With the Bible in hand, they'll carry, right, they'll carry it right into the battle and they'll keep fighting the battle against sin and winning souls to him. That's what children is all about, his children are all about. So godly parents who train their children in godly principles will raise up godly warriors. That's what they'll be for Jesus' sake, who will never abandon their godly heritage. They're never going to abandon their parents or God's rules, or his principles, or God himself. And this is why we don't stop our children from coming to Jesus. Amen? This is why it was so important to Jesus. And why it just perturbed him when they said, you know, we should just keep these children away. They will be the ones who will not suffer others from coming to him. 
One day your child, hopefully, is going to be the one that's going to say, no, let them come to Jesus, or you need to come to Jesus. And again, Jesus said in Matthew 18, 3, and said, Verily, verily, I send you, except ye be converted and become as a little child, little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of God. So I close with this. Coming to Jesus is what it's all about, amen? It's always been what it's all about. And the thought here is how we must come to him with childlike faith. So we're going to close this. And there may be someone here that hasn't come to him with childlike faith. And if you haven't already, I invite you to come to Jesus. There may be a child here that is the child of a parent that's a part of this church that has never come to Jesus. Did you realize how simple it is to do that? It's so simple even a child understands. I was just talking to a preacher the other day. I got saved at four years old. He's one of the most powerful preachers I ever heard. Four years old. Right? He could understand the gospel. And he gave his life to Christ. It's as simple as ABC. So follow these steps, and you are in it, which is are able to see and be saved and saved for all of eternity. Number one is this. Now, I usually do this with eyes closed, heads bowed. I'm not going to do that today. Number one is just admit that... Uh, that you're a sinner and can do nothing to save yourself. That's all. Just a simple admission. Sometimes it's easier for a child to, to admit something than it is for a dog. Right? And come to him. Right? Come, to, come to the only God that can save you from hell and his wrath. And then give yourself to him. Right? Second is just believe in Jesus, that he's our savior. What, what he said and believe in what he said and what he can do. And then receive the gift of eternal life, right? Repent of your sins. That just simply means you're going one way in life with unbelief. Just turn around and say, I'm not going to go that way anymore. I'm going to go with Jesus. I'm going to follow him. I'm coming to him, right? He offers you an escape path out of the depths of hell and live forever with him in heaven instead. And then lastly, just simply just call out to Jesus right now and just say, yes, Jesus, that's yes. Yeah, I'm a sinner. Yeah, I, I failed you. I, I'm ready to turn from my sin and just I'm ready to enter into your kingdom and be cleansed from within. So I'm coming. I remember when I got saved. Do you remember when you got saved? How many remember you got saved? Oh, I remember when it came. It was so clear. I just, I'm coming. I don't care what my friends say. I don't care what my family says. I'm coming. Right? And I came to him and he received me. I received him, he received me, and the rest is history. And I've been helping in the battlefield of souls for the rest of my life, uh, for all, the, all my years of my life, trying to get people saved and out of the clutches of Satan. That's what I do. It's my business. It should be your business. Now, who would say by the raised hand, I want God's business to be my business, right? Who wants God's business to be your business? Then you've got to get out there and start saving souls. You've got to be the ones that are teaching your children right, who Jesus is and what he can do for them. And this will go on from generation to generation until Jesus comes. I don't know when he's coming, everybody. It certainly does look like it's soon. Now, they've been saying it for years, but I want to tell you something about that statement. A lot of prophecy for years was not filled until just recently it's starting to become filled. And if, you, if you're watching, it's becoming filled rapidly so I don't care how long it is he's going to come it's going to be not too long (laughs) I know it's not going to be too long so get right with Jesus give your life 
to him with childlike faith and let him change your life forever. Let's bow our heads. And Mike, I'll let you come up here. I'm sure you're all thinking of somebody if you're not thinking of yourself. And there may be some parents in here that are saying, I, boy, I, I failed in a lot of these areas, uh, but you're still alive. And you can still make a difference even to this very moment. Till you take your last breath, you're still working for Jesus. Amen. He's still your Savior. You still have words to say that will testify of Him. He's still your treasure, right? It's still your future treasure that's out there. Um, and if you'll just, if you'll just make your commitment today, right, in this invitation time, that I'm going to do what I can to suffer the children for coming to Jesus. I don't want them to be, uh, to not suffer them for coming to Jesus. I don't want them to be held back from Jesus. I'll do whatever I can, right? He's going to answer that prayer today. Right? He's going to do that because he promised he would and it'll please him. It won't grieve him. And if there's anyone here today that's unsaved, doesn't know for sure if they're to die, 100% sure they go to heaven, don't you leave this place today until you get right with Jesus. Don't you walk out that door. I fear for your soul. You, you get right right now. I promise you, Jesus will come in and change your life for you. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.